Jesus, uh, thank you so much for being here and for being our Savior. Thank you for not being a God of condemnation, but a God of grace and of peace. Thank you for like just loving us and being our friend. And I want to invite you now to come and just come in a way that only you can. Fill this space with your presence, Lord. Fill this space with worshipers. Fill this space with hearts that want to turn to you. God, we love you so much. Just ask that you bless this night. Bless Austin. And oh, man, Jesus. Amen. into the rows if you want some more room.
our heart cry, Jesus. God, we just want to know you. Above all the noise, above all the music, above everything going on in our lives, God, we just want to see you clearly. So right now, Jesus, just make yourself known in this room. God, we just want to be fixed on you. You're the only thing that ever matters. We don't need anything else. We don't want for anything else, God. We just fix our eyes on you because your kingdom is here, Jesus. You're in this room whether we feel you or not. Lord, I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you always show up. Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for every single person that's in this room, whether it's your first time or you've been coming, whether you came all the way from Louisiana or you live right in this backyard. Lord, I just thank you that everyone is here for a reason. So don't leave without letting the Lord speak to you. Jesus, I know you want to speak to us. So Lord, I just bless this night. I bless the word that's on Austin's heart, God. Lord, I just thank you for, for the deep deposit that you've placed in his life, God, that he just gets to share and release into this room, into all of our lives. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for the way you're going to speak in and through him, the way you're going to speak to each and every one of us individually. So we just say, come even more, Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor, Jesus. We just want you in this place, in this space. Us, God, to what really matters in this moment, this night. We just bless your name and we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for the worship band? Um, well, I am so excited for tonight, and we are going to continue our sermon series called Walking uh, the Ways Jesus Walked. I think I walking as Jesus walked, and we are going through the book of Mark, and I'm excited for not just what God's going to do in spring break, but for what God's going to do tonight, and there is a man, a myth, and a legend about to speak tonight, and uh, man, there's many myths and legends about him, and I'm sure some of those stories are going to come out tonight, um, but I'm just so excited about this dude, but you know what? There's really no better way to usher someone in than by showing a picture, right? I mean, and so I think this picture says it all about this guy. Wow, look at that face. I mean, that is just such a beautiful face. And I just love the caption. It says, that's the look of a man on the verge of some serious kingdom financing. <laughs> yes, he sent that as a Snapchat to me, and I screenshotted it, so be careful what you send to me, folks. But, <laughs> but man, I just wanted to share that picture, and I'm just so excited for what Austin's going to do and what God's going to do in him and through him tonight, and he's just got a radical story. Uh, a, mentor and I, a mentor of mine used to say, Jesus has healed us, he is healing us, and he'll continue to heal us. And I just love this guy's heart and his story. And so I just kind of felt like as we usher him in and welcome him in, I'm just going to ask Paul and the band to kind of sing this chorus because I really believe this chorus of this song resonates with Austin's heart and what God has done in him and through him. So, band, why don't you just kind of take us into this chorus as we usher Austin in.
here, you know. He's gonna give this awesome message and go really just dig deep. And yeah, what's the best way to experience breakthrough when you just lift up your hands and sing praises to the Father? So we're just gonna go one last time. And we're just gonna give God praise even in the midst of whatever you're walking through. Or you may be in a high season and that's awesome. So we're just gonna go back into this really quick one last time. I came in here knowing that, like, you guys would leave here knowing me in a different way, but that video, man, like, I don't know if I can top that. Like, that was, that was more of an exposure, not like a get to know me, but, man, as Ryan said, as Dale said, as Paul said, as Hannah said, I'm pretty sure everyone in here has said my name at some point today, but if you don't know me, my name is Austin. I am uh, one of the many student leaders here at the Alive Indian College Ministry, and uh, I get to have that privilege to walk in that every week, every day, and I get the privilege tonight to speak here. And uh, to be honest, I haven't always viewed that as a privilege. I remember over the summer, you know, Ryan's asking us, hey, you coming back for uh, another year of leadership? You coming back? Like, hey, man, we need you. We need you. Like, I got my sound crew up there, man. Shout out to the sound crew. All you people up there. That is my fam. Like, you know, you have your biblical friendships, you know, you have your inner circle, your, your three, your 12, and what is it? 70? I, it's been a while since I listened to the message, man. But, like, man, my sound crew, Owen Flash, all my setup peeps, like, you guys, it has just been such an honor to serve with you over the last two years. And, you know, even when I didn't think I was coming back, even when I was praying with my friends and my mentors down south at camp, like, I didn't think I was going to be here. But that's what obedience looks like doesn't always feel comfortable. It's not always exactly what you expect it to be. And in my situation and in my history, I've actually found that obedience actually is more terrifying and more stretching and more demanding than you would expect it to be. And so, you know, that's it. That's all I had to share tonight. Maybe that's for somebody. <laughs> uh, Paul, Paul, where's Paul at? You know, that one's for free. So, like, you guys can just take that. I'm going to invite the band back up right now. I was joking about this a couple days ago, but I actually believe, you know, there's such a call and such just a desire for this house in particular, not just alive, but the vineyard church in, in general, big vineyard. There's such a call and just such a desire to press in and, like, just pursue the presence of God. And at the end of the day, that is the greatest call in our life. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter, like, what your friendships and your relationships look like. If the presence of God is not the principal pursuit of your life, something is not aligned correctly with heaven. 
And yeah, so tonight, I don't know what this is going to look like. I've planned, I've prepped, I've rehearsed. Rehearsal, you know, is a little shaky, a little shaky. Okay, yeah. No, I can't rehearse. If you know me, I don't rehearse. Literally, where's my boy Austin Triplett at right here? Okay, this man, he should know by now. I've skipped so many classes with him. He sits there in my real estate law finance class, and he probably waits for me to walk in about 4.30 every day. It starts at 4. No, it starts at 3.30. Maybe that's part of the problem, dude. <laughs> he hasn't seen me in a week. But, dude, it's, it's just I'm glad to see you here. <laughs> yeah, I hope Scott was doing well today, man. I'll send him my term paper. Like, I know I was supposed to do that and send him my topic, but we'll, we'll worry about that later. There's grace. There's grace in this house tonight. <laughs> but, yeah. Tonight, I just want to talk about the goodness of God. And I don't really know which way that's going to come out. It's going to come out in a lot of ways, but <laughs> I just wanted to talk about the goodness of God. And even before, you know, as Ryan was saying, hey, man, just go spend some time with Jesus. Like, get to spend some time with your father before you get up there. Like, it really didn't hit me until, like, 30 minutes before that what I actually was going to, like, what I'm actually doing right now. And I say this not to validate what I'm about to say throughout the night, but after, like, 21 years you know, generations of just, of faith. Like, there's such a rich history in my life that, like, and I say that not to say, hey, Austin's qualified to speak. I am probably the most least qualified person to speak in this room. But because God is willing to work through me and he qualifies the call, doesn't call the qualify, I know that he has some special things in store for me and for you guys. But at the end of the day, like, we're just here for him. So, um, yeah, I feel like I just really need to pray right now because I need some help. <laughs> so, Father God, uh, we're just so grateful to be here on this campus, God, in this room, together as family for you, God. God, we know you're in this place because you promised you would be in this place, God. That when we gather, and we gather with you in the highest place of reverence in our heart, God, that you'll show up always. God, your word is so true. Your promises always come to fruition, and you are not a liar, God. And we know that tonight, based on that promise, God, that you are here. You are here, God. And whatever I have to share, whatever the band has for us in store later, God, just show up and show off, man. Let not one person leave this room without hearing a greater sense of the voice of truth, God. Let not one person leave this room without seeing a greater and a higher glimpse of the beauty of you, God. Amen. Man. Yeah, so tonight, you know, I'm going to read some scripture, but MJ called me out Monday. She was like, hey, you got to be more open. You got to be more vulnerable. And you got to be more real. She did. <laughs> Man. And to be honest, like, that is a place that so few of us are willing to enter. And especially this guy. Like, it takes such courage to step in that place of not only just accepting, but recognizing and acknowledging what your life looks like and what the life and what the world around us looks like. Because quite honestly, when I've looked at my life in the past and when I've looked at the world around me and I look at heaven, I don't see how those two have come together. And that's not God's intent, that's not God's design, but it's the reality of the world we live in. 
and it takes a boldness and a courage that can only be found in Christ Jesus to come before that and confront it with the spirit of power and authority that he has given us. And while I'm just beginning to crawl into that obedience, into that place of fullness and just relying on him, if you allow me, I'd like to take the time tonight and ask God for the courage to share just a little bit of my journey as to how the gospel is not just a set of doctrinal ideologies, not just a set of values that has been in my life, but actually how it has come to take root in my heart and bear what little fruit I have to share with you guys. And if you've been journeying with us throughout the semester through Mark 10, you know that is really what this time, this semester is about. It's not about going to the word to receive knowledge. It's not about going before God to receive blessings. It's about reading the word to become the word. And last week when Ryan shared about faith in Mark 9, man, that like literally, I don't know if you guys were all at the conference, but like last week, last Wednesday, it was, it was a stark contrast. But the presence of God, the power of God was so evident in that still that like it literally doesn't matter what our expectations are. It doesn't matter how we expect God to come through. But he always meets us in a fresh and unique way. And so tonight as we continue our journey through Mark, and not just talk about faith, but a faith that restores, I would encourage you guys and invite you guys to listen to what I'm saying, to listen to the scriptures I'm reading, and hear it and see it and believe it through that lens. This faith is not passive. The love of God is not passive. Hebrews 4.12, where's my boy Kundai at? The word of God is alive, sharp, and active, man. And there's power in it. And if there is no transformation, quite honestly, I remember telling you this one time, man, if there's no transformation that the gospel leads in my life, what am I doing? Like, sure, like, I believe, I believe Christ died for me. I believe Christ and God breathed the world into motion. But there's no transformation. Then am I really wasting my time, or am I actually living this thing out? Because the word of God in Matthew 7 says that they will know us by the fruit we bear. And so tonight as we journey through this, I want you guys to really ask yourself, not in like a condemning way, because there are so many areas in my life where I see God's design, I see God's and kingdom's alignment not come to fruition. And I want more. And I full-heartedly believe, like if you guys are in this room, then you want more of that in your life. Not just knowledge, not just some songs, but you want fruit to take root, not just for yourselves, but for your families, for your friends, for the rest of your lives, because that's what this thing is about. Man. And uh, there was a couple nights ago where I was just sitting there, you know, prepping my message, overthinking it like usual. Classic perfectionist, right? That's me. But um, I was sitting there with Jackson, and he said something that really just struck my heart. Oh, yeah, by the way, if you don't know my boy Jackson, Jackson, where are you at, man? I need to look at you, okay, right here. If I get lost, I'm finding you, brother. This guy, you know, he said it was kind of a convenience thing, but I'm going to say and declare that he chose to come to Champaign, Illinois, all the way from Searcy, Arkansas, instead of going to Malibu. And I know, you know, our friend in Malibu, he's cool, but man... 
you chose to be here, man. And that, that means something right here. <laughs> Spring break in Champaign, Illinois. Who would do that besides, like, the resident townies? <laughs> those, those people are crazy. Don't talk to them. <laughs> if you didn't know, I'm from here. <laughs> no, but he said something that just struck a tune in my heart. And he was like, dude. <laughs> dude. He's just a guy's guy, man. That's dudes being dudes right there. That's the full picture of the gospel brotherhood. It's just dude. Right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he said something that was like, Austin, like, why don't we ever actually think about the courage that it took for God to walk out his life? Like, God was more than a robot. He was a man. He was equally God and he was equally man. But as a man, he walked this life out and had real feelings and real fears and real emotions. And yet, while he was not a slave to those emotions, he still had them. And he said, Austin, that is why I fully believe that the disciples were willing to say, I don't know who this guy is, and I can see there's something resting on his life, but I want the courage that he has. Because they knew from the very beginning what God's plan was for his life, and the courage that it took for God for Jesus of Nazareth to walk into the holy city of Jerusalem while everyone else was saying Hosanna in the highest and know that he was going to get pinned on the cross. Strong side, baby. What courage would that take? To walk into a city, to remain loyal to not just himself but his cause, to his friends, to his family, to remain in a place of fidelity to his own heart, even in the midst of great pain and suffering. And that, that is such the glory of the gospel, such the goodness of the gospel. You know, that we can't earn the love that God gave us. We can't sit here and say we're going to walk out as righteous sons and daughters without first allowing him to come into our lives and empower us to give away what he first gave us. These notes are useless right now. <laughs> But that is, that, is, that is the gospel of Christ. It's a gospel that demonstrates that God is not a distant father. He's not some guy that sits there and crosses his arms and looks down on us when we mess up. But he's a God that bestows his love not based on reciprocity, which means he gives not to get, which means it doesn't matter if he was rejected, because he knew he was going to be rejected. He said, I'm going to pour it out anyway, and if they don't receive it, fine, but at least I did my part, and at least I did everything I could possibly do to pursue a connection with them, to convince them that I'm more than the God they know me as, that I'm more, and I'm more real, and I'm more <laughs> just gentle, and I'm more loving than the God that they see me as, a God that is waiting to strike you down at a moment's notice. You know, so much of my life, so much of my childhood was predicated upon me believing God loved me because I was checking all my boxes and making sure all, all my, just all my liabilities, all my stuff was covered. I was like, as long as I keep all my ducks in a row, God's gonna love me. You know, he's gonna answer my prayers and we'll be fine. That's what God and me are. That's like, that's our relationship. But there comes a time and a place when I think that most people in this room, at least I hope most people in this room, if it's not you, we're going to have an invitation for you later, <laughs> come to know God in a fuller way. Not just as a distant, unloving, 
ruthless God who strikes us down or looks down upon us when we mess up, but a God who always meets us where we're at. And so as I finally get to get into the scripture here, <laughs> if you guys would turn with me to Mark 10, we're going to get started. And I remember sitting down there in that tiny little West Monroe, Louisiana coffee shop, and Ryan called me up. We were talking about, uh, you know, this sermon in particular, and he was like, hey, man, what do you feel like for Mark? Like, I want you to speak. I want you to, you know, he said this, you know, I know, I know in my heart that Ryan has other favorites, but he said, I want you to be able to choose. <laughs> and I, there was a list of things that I had, probably five or four sections and chapters out of this book where I was just like, man, there's such life on there that I just want to get into it. And, and Mark 10 was one of those ones that he highlighted to me. But you know me, I am very hesitant to make decisions. So Ryan called me up a few days later and he was like, yeah, I just feel like there's life on Mark 10 for you. And I looked in my list and I was like, yep, there it is. And then <laughs> as I turned to Mark 10, I'm getting there ready to say, okay, what do I want to base the thesis of my message on? I'm going through the headings. I'm going through the headings, right? And if you've turned there already, or if you're on your phone, which... You know, it's 2019. I don't really see that many paper Bibles up there, but hey, that's fine. No condemnation. <laughs> the first heading we come to in Mark 10, verse 1, starts with divorce. And I was like, yes, I get to talk on divorce. No, I was not. <laughs> divorce, nobody gets excited to listen to sermons about divorce. It's one of those things that people are just like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll go. You know, pastor really didn't bring it, but I guess like it's in the Bible, so I'll listen. And definitely not this guy. Definitely not this guy I was excited to talk about divorce. But if you know my story and you know my heart, yes, I'm a product of a broken home. And for any of those who are out there, products of a broken home, and you know, we all experience brokenness in our childhood to some degree. But specifically broken home, and maybe it wasn't fully shattered, but maybe it was more like tempered glass where there's just cracks all around and your family was kind of holding on with duct tape. There is a call and a grace on my life and your life, to see that reconciled, to see that restored. Olivia's been waiting this for, for years. I've got some slides she's going to show, but <laughs> if we can understand that the places the enemy attacks us are places that God has assigned value. <laughs> if we can understand that the places God attacks, and whoa, whoa, take two steps back. <laughs> if we can understand the places that the enemy has attacked us as places that God has assigned value, and we understand that there's value there, and we learn to value it, we can learn to steward it. And what we learn to steward, we can learn to multiply. And what we learn to multiply, as I so eloquently quoted, <laughs> we can get dominion authority over. Not an authority that comes from our own strength and our own works, but an authority that is aligned with the design and purposes of the kingdom of heaven. And so, Leah, that was from you. We're office, office junkies, so I thought I'd throw that Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott up there for you guys. <laughs> Man, yeah. So now I'm going to read the word, if that's okay. <laughs> Man, this is wild. <laughs> Man. Okay, so if we pick up in verse 5, okay, 
God is kind of Jesus, son of God, also God, but equally man. We've got that down today at least. <laughs> Jesus is kind of in this place, and the Pharisees come before him, and they want him to choose a side because there's kind of this cultural debate going on where there's two teachers, two rabbis, who are kind of saying, this is what is permissible as divorce, and this is. And one of these over here is like super, super, super liberal. It's like, oh, you can do whatever you want, and you'll be fine. And then we have this one over here, which is like the most conservative like, thing you've ever seen in your life. You're like, no, God will like, literally kill you if you get a divorce. And so as opposed to taking a side and joining this cultural movement, Jesus, the Son of God, says, let's see what the law of Moses and the law of God has to say about this. And he asks, we're going to start actually in verse 3. What did Moses command you, he replied. And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And listen to what Jesus says here. Listen to what he says. He says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Meaning that this was not God's design to allow permissible divorce. It was not God's design to institute no-fault divorce laws, start no-fault divorce laws starting in 1970 throughout the states of the United States. It was not his design for me and probably several of you to enter in and have to live through that brokenness. But he said, because your hearts were hard, Moses wrote you the law. Because men at the time placed such a little value on women that Moses said, in order for you to not be culturally ripped limb from limb, this is what's going to be allowed. And I'm not up here to say what's allowed and what's not allowed for divorce. That's not my intent at all. So if you hear that, that is not the purpose of why we're going through Mark 10. <laughs> Jesus said that to highlight his value and his design for covenant. And if you were at church Sunday, sometimes I skip, so this is my test. <laughs> if you were at church Sunday, not this Sunday, two Sundays ago. There we go. I was paying attention. <laughs> we had uh, Danny Silk come in after the conference. MLMP was wild. MLMP was great. But Danny came in Sunday, and he talked about covenant. <laughs> and in this story of covenant, he highlighted what the people of God used to do under the Levitical law. Even before the Levitical law. This was like way back when, when he first made covenant with Abraham, or I guess Abram at the time. But they had what they call a cutting ceremony. And Danny sat up there on stage, way too in-depth, kind of made me uncomfortable, but at the end I was just sitting there going, glory. <laughs> glory, yes, God. And he... <laughs> and he, he went through... <laughs> What they used to do when they enter into covenant, not just marriages, but when specifically out of Genesis, this is what I'm going to read. Genesis, oh man, 14, 15, 9? One of those two. It's somewhere in there. When he makes covenant with Abram to say, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people and I'm going to bless you and you have many descendants. He, this is what Abraham says 
to make covenant with God. He says, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite of each other. What? (laughs) I don't know about you, but if I have a wedding that looks like that, actually I might someday because of this, but (laughs) if my wedding looks like that where I'm walking in all these severed animal bodies, like, I don't know, I don't know what. But that is literally God's design for covenant, to say like, hey, if you guys are going to separate, if you guys are going to go back on your word and your promise and the covenant you made with somebody and the covenant you especially made with me, this is what it's going to have to look like. Not none of this, hey, I'm sick of you, I'm tired of you, let's sign some papers and move on. That is not God's plan. And so, for those of you who need a little incentive, we'll, we'll lighten up in a little bit. But. Jeremiah 34, starting in 18. This isn't up there, Olivia, but I'm just going to read it. This is what God said about people who violate his covenant. To the men who have violated my covenant, And have not fulfilled the terms of covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walked in between their pieces. The leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the court officials, the priests, and all the people of the land who walk between the pieces of the calf, I will hand over to their enemies who seek their lives. Their dead bodies will become food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. He literally said, if you break covenant with me, You are going to be like literally food for scavengers, for birds of prey. And so this actually, this section of Mark 10 is actually paralleled in Matthew 19. Literally like almost the entire chapter is the same in Matthew 19. And there's a little bit of verbiage, a little bit of story that I just felt like I had to include. And so in Matthew 19, this is what the disciples said. So if that's what it's going to look like for us to separate... They said, isn't it just better that we, like, don't get married? Like, isn't it better we just don't enter covenant at all? And Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this teaching, but only those for whom it has been given. For some, listen, listen, bros. <laughs> for some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept this. And you know, I'm lighthearted. I like to have fun. But I full-heartedly believe that Jesus and God has an incredible sense of humor. And so when the disciples and the people say, oh, isn't it better if we just don't enter covenant, if this is what it's going to require us to do, if we're actually going to have to reconcile and, like, seek connection with these people, like, isn't it better if we just don't do that? And this is what God says. This is hilarious. He's like, yeah, you can choose covenant or Jake this is not our call. I know that man. He says, you can enter into covenant or you can be a eunuch. You decide. And I don't know about you. I don't know if anyone knows what that means. Some of my bros are terrified right now. <laughs> Ethan, you know, man. <laughs> that is not your call, man. Don't receive it. He literally says you can choose covenant, which is hard, which is taxing, which will require you to lean on my strength and not your own, or you can be a eunuch. You decide. Oh, man. Jesus. No, thank you. Okay, Jake. No. Okay, man, I never thought I'd have to do this in front of a crowd of people. How do I even say this in a church setting? Like, holy cow. So eunuch, 
Unix. <laughs> okay, actually, no, I grew up on a farm, so I know what these terms are. I found, I was waiting for the term. No one knows what castration is either. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> this is not a preaching practice, but I'm taking free liberty because I live under the royal law of liberty, okay? Amen. There's grace in this house for this message right now. <laughs> but basically, eunuchs were men who could no longer be men. <laughs> and so you said, if you don't want to be a man and man up and reconcile with your family, then go ahead, buddy. <laughs> man. So as we move along to Mark 10, I'm not going to get through as much of this as I thought I would. <laughs> we get to the story about Jesus and the little children. So there are some children being brought before Jesus for, I don't know, anointing, blessing. And some people, some probably some old men who studied the law, they kind of prevent them from coming before God because, oh, they're little children. We're going to look down on them. They're not deserving and worthy of being in the presence of this man. And so... Jesus kind of gets indignant. He gets upset. And he says, let the, little, let, let the little children come to me. This is in verse 14. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then immediately after this portion of scripture, we get presented with a man who comes rushing before God, falls at his feet, and this is the story of the rich young man. And he falls at the feet of God and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? What must I satisfy? How can I qualify myself to enter and usher myself into the presence and glory and kingdom of God? And Jesus replies, This is more difficult than you'd ever imagine. <laughs> why do you call me good, Jesus answered. He said, why do you call me good? Do you really know what you're saying? You call me good teacher, and good at that time implied righteousness. And while rabbis were cool and respected in society, they were not righteous. So people didn't come up and say, good teacher. He said, good teacher, what must I do? And God, in his wisdom and in his discernment, says, do you actually know what you're saying? Do you actually know what good teacher is implying? It's implying that you know the goodness of God. It's not one of those things where he's like, good job, Peter. Holy Spirit revealed that to you. He's like, buddy, you have no idea what you just said. You have no idea what you just said. And the Bible says that every empty word, every useless word will be judged. <laughs> and this man, through his own self-righteousness, through his own pride, when he was at his hour of desperation, when he came at the end of himself, it was still all about him. Instead of receiving it as a free gift, like a child. And children, man, there's a lot of beautiful, just like baby animals out there. Us as humans, we are not pretty when we come out of the womb, man. <laughs> it's like, I came out, my mom said I was pretty easy coming out, so you know, thank, you're welcome, you're welcome. But <laughs> you come out here, this big just blob of fat, and you have this head that's way too big for your body, and it's just gross. <laughs> that was probably what it was like. Sorry, Mom. I'm just 
Oh, man. But at least children, at least children know that they have access to the resources of their parents. And this man, as opposed to saying, God, I surrender. God, I want to know you more. He says, God, how can I save myself? And there's two spectrums of this we see throughout our lives and in the Gospels, where it's self-righteousness or it's self-degradation. And both places have no place in the presence and kingdom of God. Because both mindsets, both thought processes, instead of placing God at the center, they actually make themselves gods. They make themselves godlikes and saying, because of my works or because of my failures, I am this. Whereas the gospel of Jesus says, no, you got it all wrong. It's nothing you did. Nothing you did that validated you. Validated. That was weird. Nothing you did that validated you, and there's nothing that you did that disqualified you. It's actually what I did, what I want you to focus on. How we doing, Ryan? That's, uh, that's a lot of red is what I'm seeing. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. I don't know. I've been saying that a lot lately. <laughs> but so much of my life, I grew up in the church, literally 21 years in the vineyard. We were hanging out with Mike during LMP, and I actually made the joke that uh, there's stories going around that I was conceived in the old chapel. And Mike was like, wait, 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 wait. You do know that the old chapel is Kingdom Kids. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I take it back. It was a joke, man. I'm just trying to get some equity with my head, my head executive pastor. <laughs> but... So much of my life, so much of my walk with God, like I said earlier, was based on my works. And I thought that when God poured out his blessings, it was because I had done something that had entranced him to me. I had done something like this man that made me worthy of God's love. That is the spirit and thought of the Pharisees which if you know the Bible, God was not very fond of because primarily is not divine acceptance. Primarily is self-righteousness. And so many times in my life have I gone back to that place of focusing more on my self-righteousness than my divine acceptance. And if there's anything I hear you say tonight, whoa, Dude, I am bad with words. If there's anything you hear me say tonight, it's not that grace in this new eternal covenant we're walking in is a license to sin and get away with it. That is not what I'm trying to say at all. It's that because we're under this new covenant of grace, that we're actually empowered to walk out this thing to a fuller extent than what we are humanly capable of. It's that when he said that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives in us, that's not just, you know, the continuation of the gifts. That's not just for the fivefold. It's not for churchy things. That is for practical things, for relationships, for marriages, for the way we go and work about our bosses. Like, literally, the Spirit of God is supposed to produce fruit in your life. So if you're more focused 
on the fruit that you've produced on your own strength, then I believe there's an invitation tonight to realign your perspective with God's and refocus on his works and not your own. And for me, that was the longest journey of my life. I was the kid who had it all together. I was the kid whose family pointed at it, and they were like, hey, these guys are the shining examples of what it looks like to walk with Christ. But at the end of the day, because the Spirit had not taken power and authority and bore fruit, even my family, even me, was not spared from the brokenness and the attacks of the enemy. That is such, such the goodness of the gospel that God would continue to pour out our blessings even in the places, even of our darkest hours. And for me, my darkest hour was when I could no longer rely on my parents' strength to lead me into faith, but I started to rely more on my Father in heaven's strength to lead me into faith. And for a long time, I questioned God, like, how did you, like, I understand it's not of you. I understand this wasn't your hand at work because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's not you. But God, like, you know me. Like, you know my life. You know that everything I've ever done since the time I came out of that womb, like, was to try and please you and to try and, like, satisfy your word. And if I'm doing this and if my parents and my head did it the best of their ability, and they followed every word, at least I thought they did. <laughs> Not to say, yeah, we'll just move on. <laughs> there's, there's brokenness in us all. But because of my own self-righteousness, I couldn't see, I couldn't allow God to come in and restore that. And it's by allowing the presence and healing of God to come into our own hearts that we're empowered and enabled to heal other people. Because without your wound, where would your power be? And I'm not saying that God wounds us so we can be better vessels to just glorify him. But I am saying that God can use anything, and he will use anything for good. And as I mentioned earlier, <laughs> because this is my burden, because this has been my lot in life, I know without a shadow of a doubt that where I saw the kingdom of God not line up with my own experiences, that I'm called to walk it out to a fuller extent. And we have this saying called alive is family. And I sit here in this room of about a hundred people and I'm like, surely like <laughs> surely this is not a family, but it is. And this is more so the family than even what we had at the conference. We're talking about the family of the future. I look in this room and I see people with such different and unique giftings, different nationalities, different backgrounds. We're all here for the same reason. The most important reason, that's for God. And as, as we just get ready to go back into this time of worship, like, just take a moment to look around. Take a moment to see, like, there's such unity in us coming together and worshiping and declaring the goodness of God corporately as a body.
Because when we all come together and independently say yes, when we all come together in that place of vulnerability, in that place of one heart, one mind, one posture, contending for breakthrough in our lives, something happens. Something happens in us where our mindset, where our perspective shifts from our own to God's. And so whatever wounds you may be carrying, I beg of you, invite God into them. Not just for you, not just for other people, because it's what God intended to happen. And yeah, it's terrifying, and yeah, it hurts sometimes, and it's not always the most comfortable thing, but if you allow God to come in and touch the wound, he will change it to a scar. And I don't know about you, but I want to live my life declaring the goodness of the nail-pierced hands my entire life. And so when I look at the brokenness of my own past story, I can see the way God has come in and restored it and is restoring it. I can look at my family and know that even though I'm the youngest in our family, even though I'm not the most eloquent, most bold, most powerful, most successful person in my family, that I can reach across the room and as a righteous son, say, I'm going to be the one that's going to initiate healing into this. I'm going to be the one, not by my own strength and my own accord, but because my surrender and submits to what God has in my life, I'm going to be the one that gets to receive this restored. And I don't, literally, I am not, I come from a family of men's men that are afraid to get vulnerable, <laughs> that are afraid to tell you how you really feel. There was a quote one time where it's like, uh, you know, God created us in his image. And as a compliment, man created God in their image. And so for a long time, I viewed God with the lens of my parents and my parents' failures and the men in my life's failures. And even though I may not be as successful as my dad and I may not be as qualified to give this sermon as my grandfather, like I get to be the one empowered by the spirit that reaches across and brings love into the room. And last week, no, two Sundays ago, I called my dad up and I said, look, man, I love you, and I know you might wake up in the morning and you only see your failure, but there is so much goodness in your life that I'm trying to emulate that I'm going to need you around someday because I'm not going to be able to do this thing called family without my actual dad. And I said, Dad, I don't care if you're not walking the fullness of your faith. I am, and I want you to be a part of this, God. I want to invite you into this, not just for the sake of me, for the sake of my family line, for the sake of the world. Because for so long, I viewed the promise of God as the restoring of family as something that would bless me. But as Megan shared at our little spontaneous worship night two weeks ago, the only reason God pours out blessings is so that you can bless other people. The only things he entrusts you with are things that he knows you can steward that because you're stewarding that you can multiply. 
And because you're multiplying, you might get to see God's plan and the world come into a greater sense of alignment. And I have gone way over time. <laughs> There's grace. That's a dangerous game we're playing now. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to pray us into worship. We'll see what happens from there. But Father God, would you give us the courage? Would you give us the boldness, God, the faith to invite you into the darkest corners of our lives, God? God, for so long in my life, I believed, I believed in you. I believed you truly were God, but I did not believe the fullness of the words you spoke over my life. And God, where our environments, where our experiences have not been in alignment with your kingdom, God, I ask that you would just come, come as a healer. God, and empower us to walk out this thing called life to a greater capacity. Not just for ourselves, but for your people, God. God, so many times I've tried to give up, God. I've tried to check out on you. And you've always ran me back down. God, and I just, if I had one prayer for this room tonight, God, it would be that people would get to a greater sense of their created value. That they would become aware of a greater picture of what the fullness of God in their life looks like. Because you have placed something so unique and so special in each and every one of my brothers and sisters that if they were to check out on you, not just the world, God, but you would be robbed of it for all eternity. So God, whatever you have in store for us tonight as we press back in, God, whatever you're doing, whatever you're healing, God, we just say yes and amen. God, that we're not here about us. We're not here for you to meet our needs tonight, Father. We're here to lock eyes with you, to listen to your heartbeat, because there's something about the story of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. There's something about his story that is such an invitation to see who we were meant to be. That when we throw our self-righteousness or our disqualifications away, God, that we can sit there at your feet, listen to your heartbeat, God, in that place, everything else fades away. Nothing else matters when we're with you, God. And so tonight, God, and for every night for the rest of our lives, would you just come and mark us? God, come and stir us up until our pursuit of you, that our love, our reverence, our desire for you outweighs anything else. sharing I just felt like I was supposed to sing this over you guys and so just say in a posture of receiving some of you may know it some of you may not 
just heard it yesterday. Caught up. 
Yeah, in Mark 10, the disciples go and ask Jesus, how can someone be saved? How can we bring this healing and this restoration and this salvation that we received to other people? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. Basically, that you can't do it by yourself, that we can't fix someone, that someone wants to be healed and wants, needs to want it more than you can want it for them. But he doesn't stop there. That's not the end of the story. He looks him in the eye and says, but with God, all things are possible. And I've seen Jesus heal Austin's heart over the last two and a half years that I've known him. And he hasn't always liked me. <laughs> but family doesn't give up on each other. And I haven't given up on him and he hasn't given up on me. And I've never seen or heard him cry over the last three years that I've known him. But when I picked up the phone two weeks ago and he was in tears, it scared me that something was really wrong. But he said, no, Ryan, listen. For the first time in 12 years, I told my dad that I loved him. And I see God using him and healing him. And now he says, with you, Austin, I'm not just going to heal you and save you, but I'm going to call you in the game. And, and guys, I believe there's people in, in this campus and in our families that the same healing and restoration that God is, is doing and will do in you flow that he says, now I want to use you. Now I want to work in you and through you. I want to bring hope to other people that have experienced the same things you have experienced. And when you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do, he says, with me, all things are possible. All healings are possible. All salvations are possible. And God, I pray that you would awaken us to that truth tonight. So in these next two songs, there's going to be leaders on the side. And Austin doesn't get to pray for people a lot because he's back by the board, but he's going to be on the side tonight. And wherever you're at in your faith, if you want healing or want salvation, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, tonight could be a night that marks your life forever. Or if there's a family or a friend or someone, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, someone that doesn't know the Lord, but you want them to know the Lord, know that with faith and with God, it is possible. And I encourage you to come to someone and let them pray with you tonight. And be awakened to the truth that you and God are an amazing team and you will do amazing things.
that our God is so persistent. God never lets us go. And you have plenty of reason to. As many times we've broken his heart. Sometimes we don't show we love him. But God is still relentless about pursuing us. God will never give up on us. And I'm just so thankful. See, that's the power in our God is that there's no other God like him. That he can love you past your sins. That there's nothing that you have to do to deserve this. But receive. And God wants our hearts tonight. God doesn't want part of our hearts. He doesn't want a little bit of our hearts. He wants all of our hearts tonight. And if we truly want to receive that all that God has for us, I think tonight is the time for laying it all down and giving God our everything.
sing it out. like maybe three half of the room at least is raising their hand and I just feel like there's a word on the on, on the Lord for, for my heart my parents were never married but they were never together and I experienced that same type of pain and I was just praying for my two sisters and I feel like the Lord said there's so many of us us myself included that that believe that we're gonna walk and follow in the same footsteps as our family and our parents who got divorced or family members who've had affairs or family members who've, who, who've just parted ways and left and that's a lie from the pit of hell in Jesus name and that, that and the Lord wants to break off that lie tonight to say your history your inheritance is different Noah that you're not your dad and I feel like there's the promise to say that God says, I have a different story for you. And he wants to heal your heart, especially for, 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 there's, for all of us. But women, wait to let the, the, let the Father marry you and pursue you to show you what a love looks like so that when a man of God comes, you know the same aroma, you know the same heart posture and love that they pursue you with. I promise if you wait, let, the, let Jesus become your husband. And when the right husband comes, then you'll know because he'll love you with the same love that Jesus did. And guys, if we don't have our hearts healed in this thing, we can't help others. We can't give others what we for ourselves don't have for ourselves. And that's a journey. I'm married and I'm still on that journey of not walking in the same footsteps as some family members walked in, but as you let God in to heal those lies, to speak his truth of who you are and whose you are over your life, Marissa, you will write a different story by walking by faith. And tonight the Lord wants to deposit that. So if any of that resonates with you, whether your parents were divorced or not, will you put your hand on your heart? And I'm gonna have Austin come up here and pray for the same faith that is restored, has restored, is restoring, and will restore his heart. That same faith that will restore your heart. Father, we invite you in. God, we allow you 
into our lives and in the greatest areas of pain and hurt and discomfort we would experience, God. God, we ask that you would come into the brokenness, God, and breathe on our wounds, Father. Father God, that even though the world, the numbers, and society may tell us that broken homes, broken families are standard and customary, God, that we can come here to declare that in the kingdom of heaven, in heaven right now, there is no broken families, God. God, it does not matter what the world is telling us is normal. We know that your promises are better, God. God, and that's by the same authority in your voice that spoke this whole thing in the beginning, God. It's the same authority that when you speak, life happens. When you speak, healing happens. That when you speak, freely, freedom happens in this place tonight, God. Because that is your heart. That is who you are, God. That you're not a liar. That you're not a deceiver, God. That you are so, so faithful. That you are so, so good, God. That when you speak, would you give us the courage and faith to believe that your words actually are true? That they are bringing dead things back to life right now in us, Father. We surrender it all, God. God, we will not leave this place till we've given everything else to you, God.
sing that sound of surrender. Come on, sing, you won't relent. Imagine those things that you've been holding on to, you know you gotta let go of. Imagine putting at the altar of Jesus. Imagine putting everything you've been holding on to at the altar of Jesus. Imagine giving God what he wants. just feel like uh, this isn't about MJ and I at all, but I think out of the, I think we're the only married couple in the house right now. Um, and I just speak hope. That God's promises can be true out of two broken families. Both of our families, our parents weren't divorced, but there was, there was brokenness and hurt. Just like Austin said, it could, the window could be shattered or there could be cracks. And I know at least for me, there's, there's been cracks. And a lot of, for a lot of my life, there was fear of, will I ever be married? And so out of a married couple in the house, we just speak hope to you. That you have your Father in Heaven story, Eric. That you have your Father in Heaven story, Mariah that he and you write your story and it's gonna be great, wild, beautiful, and full of him. And the perfect love of the Father casts out fear. And that's a journey, step by step and day by day, of choosing it, receiving it, and believing it. So we speak hope to you. We speak hope to you. like I talked last week. I'm not going to talk again. We just pray that over them as we close. Father, thank you that you are a God of hope and that we can put all our faith, all our trust, and all our hope in you because you are good. just release hope over everyone in this house right now, just of a greater, a greater future with you, a greater tomorrow with you, a greater next week with you. Lord, that you never leave us, you're always with us.
guys, we're going to miss you next week. I'm going to be bored. I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably go hang out with Austin because he's a townie, so he'll be here. <laughs> guys, how amazing did Austin do? Can we give it up for him? Love his heart. He definitely will be speaking again, so we're excited for that. We love you guys. Thanks for being a part of our family. There's some amazing snacks out there Olivia and Amy made, so help yourself, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. And if you miss us too much next week, check out our podcast on Spotify or iTunes. You like that plug, Paul? It was all right. It was all right. <laughs> you, you do better, right? <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks so much for coming. God bless. good